Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Before I begin, I want to invite those of you who live in the local area to join my Bible study. We meet every Wednesday evening from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Now, next week, not this Wednesday, but the following week, I will be teaching on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. So if you ever had questions about spiritual gifts, and if they are for today, and what are they all about, this is your chance. I am not going to be rushing through these three chapters because they are very important to our spiritual foundation. So please come and join us. We meet at Top Hat Pools and Stoves, That is 2258 Main Street, Wheeling, West Virginia. We are a small group, and I always welcome questions, and there is no dumb question. So I look forward to seeing you. Now, I know I've been promising to talk about Christian yoga and this Enneagram, which is this crazy cultish thing that's growing by leaps and bounds in churches. And I am really going to plan to do that next week, hopefully. I, that's, that's the game plan. So I, I wanted to make sure that you knew that I am not in favor of yoga at all. I didn't want you to get the idea that I approved of yoga because I clearly do not approve of yoga. Tonight's message is, get ready to watch. At sundown this evening, tonight, begins the celebration of Purim. And this Jewish festival is to commemorate the defeat of Haman's plot to annihilate all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire in the 4th century B.C., The book of Esther reads more like a historical account of the lives of Esther and her uncle Mordecai, and it is a true historical account. Esther is orphaned. Both her parents die, and she is raised by her uncle who adopts her as his daughter. Esther is a young, beautiful Jewish girl. And she is chosen to be queen to King Xerxes. Now, in the Bible, he's referred to as King Ahasuerus. But historically, if you were to read about him, his name is Xerxes. Mordecai, her uncle, father, sits at the gate of the city of Sushan in Persia. As a person who sat at the city gate, Mordecai had influence and was also privy to news and privy to conversations that could impact the province. I am not focusing on Esther today. Rather, I want to focus more on the importance of Mordecai in this famous piece of history. Mordecai was called to be a watchman. And first and foremost, he was a watchman over Esther. Scripture says he paced every day in front of the court of the women's quarters 
to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. And of course, as a good uncle father, he would do that. He wanted to make sure that she was taken care of, that she was she was okay. I mean, it's a very loving thing to do, and I will be talking about that toward the end of this message and the importance of being a watchman over your family. You might ask, what is a watchman? It's a person who keeps watch or stands guard. The safety and survival of a city depended on the watchman. So Mordecai, who sat at the city gate, was a watchman for Sushan and a watchman for Esther. Mordecai had warned Esther never to divulge that she was a Jew. And the reason being is that the Jews were often hated. They were discriminated against. It was not a good thing to be telling the king or anyone that she was a Jew. So he was concerned and he made sure that she did not do that. Now, in Hebrew, there are two words for this word watchman. The first is the word tesafa, which means to lean into and to peer into the distance. So a watchman had to be alert and on guard against the enemy. They had to be one that could literally kind of lean into the situation and kind of be looking into the, the future to see the distance, what's, what's coming down the road. And they would constantly scan the horizon for the coming of enemy forces or adverse forces. The second word in Hebrew for watchman is the word shamar, S-H-A-M-A-R. It means to watch over, to put a hedge around, to defend, to protect. Now, a good example of this word shamar would be Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We know that they were given the responsibility to tend to the Garden of Eden. They were to watch over it, protect it. But when they failed at their responsibility, the Lord sent them out of the Garden of Eden, and he placed cherubim at the east entrance, Scripture says, and a flaming sword which turned every way to shamar or protect the way, the path to the tree of life. It was important that they could not get back to eat of that tree of life. For if they had, they would have lived forever in their sin and never have been redeemed. And the whole plan of God's redemption would have been diverted. So there had to be protection. That area and that tree had to be shamard. So we see that the Lord takes the job of watchman very seriously. The book of Esther takes place in ancient Persia, the greatest empire in the world at that time. And King Xerxes ruled everything from India to Ethiopia 
including the land that we today call Israel. There were 127 provinces, and Mordecai had an incredibly important position as a watchman over Sushan, where the king resided. So this was the citadel. Sushan was the citadel. It was like what today we would call our capital, capital of Washington, D.C., capital of our nation. One day, while at the gate, Mordecai overheard two of the king's eunuchs plotting to bring harm to the king. Mordecai immediately informed Esther, who then informed her king, and the eunuchs were hung on the gallows, and this was written down in the king's book. Mordecai had saved the king's life. You see, that's what watchmen do. They are there to shamar, to protect, to defend, to put a hedge around. Now, as time moved on, the king had promoted an evil man by the name of Haman to be over all the princes of all the 127 provinces. Now, the king did not know that Haman was evil, but the Bible says he was an Agagite. Does that name sound familiar? Well, it should. The Lord, if you remember, in 1 Samuel 15, told King Saul to kill all the Amalekites. But what did Saul do? He disobeyed God, and he kept King Agag alive. That left the prophet Samuel to do the dirty work, and he had to kill the king, Agag. And the Bible says that he hacked him into pieces right before the Lord. So this Haman dude is from this line of people. He's an Amalekite. He's from that line. And they hated the Jews then. They were enemies of Israel. They were enemies of the Jews then, and they were still enemies all these years later. Haman proposed a plan to kill all the Jews in Persia. He was angry because Mordecai would not bow to him. When he showed up at the gate, he expected Haman to bow to him. And Haman, I mean, he expected Mordecai to bow to him, and Mordecai refused. So he hatched this plot to kill all the Jews and proposed a decree, a plan. And the king took his signet ring and sealed the deal. And that's how they did things back then. So if a decree was written, and if the king's signet ring um, put a mark on that decree, it could not be overturned, period. When Mordecai learned of the hatched plan, he tore his clothes and he cried out in the marketplace with a bitter cry. And that's what, uh, that's what Jews did when they were under this kind of severe you know, just this feeling of, oh my goodness, you know, what do we do? This is bad. You know, they would tear their clothes and put sackcloth on. And that's what he did. And Esther's maids and eunuchs informed her of this decree. So when Esther learned of all that had been concocted by Haman, she sent her eunuch to tell Mordecai, that she had not been called to go to the king. But when Mordecai heard 
um, what Esther said, he sent a reply to her saying this, that she would not escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. He said that if she remained silent at this time, deliverance and relief would arise for the Jews from another place, but her and her father's house would perish. And then his very famous words to her were this, Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And of course, we know that Esther did come to the kingdom for such a time as this because she was immediately convicted. So she called all the Jews to fast for her for three days. And she uh, also participated in this three-day fast. And then she said, at the end of the fast, she would approach the king. Now, most of you know the rest of the story. The gallows that Haman made for Mordecai to be hung on, well, the king eventually ordered that Haman was to be hung on his own gallows, including his 10 sons. The Jewish people were saved by an edict that Mordecai wrote, saying that the king permitted the Jews to gather together and protect themselves and to kill and destroy their enemies. And that was sealed with the signet ring as well. And so on that day that Haman had chosen, which always occurs in the month of Adar, and we are in the month of Adar in the Jewish, you know, in the Jewish calendar. Um, so when the Jews were attacked, uh, they were not overcome at all. In fact, they overcame their enemies and 75,000 of their enemies were killed that day, and in Sushan, 500 men were killed by the Jews. Mordecai was promoted by the king, and he became second in command to the king. We can see from the biblical account the importance of the watchman. Now, I know what you're thinking. How in the world does this apply to me today? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So Peter is telling us that we are all called to be watchmen. Peter doesn't say uh, this is just for a certain person or certain persons or a specific um, group of individuals. No, no, no. He just says, be sober, be, be vigilant. So he's speaking to every believer. And vigilant means keeping careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. And it also means keeping awake. Why? 
because we have an adversary, an enemy, who works 24-7, 365, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy us and our families. Well, that's no joke. That's the reality of how we live as Christians, believers in Christ today. We have an adversary, and he wants to take us out. We have two gates that we have to watch over as watchmen. The first gate is the gate to our heart. We must be careful what seeds we allow to be planted in our heart. So we watch over our words to make sure they align with the Bible. And we watch what words are spoken over our heart. We don't want to allow any curses to take root in our heart. And we don't want weed seeds to get deposited by the words we speak or by the words others speak to us or over us. We want to close the gate of our heart to anything that is contrary to the word of God. The second gate that we must watch over is the gate to our family, our husband or wife and our children. Fathers, you are called to be a watchman over your wife and children. You are responsible to shamar them, to defend them, to protect them, to put a hedge around them, and to watch over them. You are to daily pray with them, pray over them, keep them from harm, putting boundaries on your children when they leave the house, protecting them from ungodly influences through television, the internet, their cell phones. You need to know exactly who they spend time with. The world has become a very dangerous place. Young teenagers are seduced by sex traffickers at school, at gas stations, at the mall. And trust me, these sex traffickers uh, are not targeting just a specific type of young person. They are after whomever they can seduce. And there was an incredible article in the Epic Times a couple years ago, a story of a daughter that was seduced and trafficked, and then eventually her brother. She was 13 at the time, and she was so frightened that she refused, you know, she wouldn't tell her parents because they always threatened to kill her. Eventually it came out, but then she had to go through such intense psychological counseling. So, parents, you have to be vigilant. Fathers and mothers, be vigilant. You are also to be watchmen through your prayers. Mothers, watchmen through your prayers. Carefully monitor your children's activities. Raise your children in the admonition of the Lord as early as when they are born. Speak blessings of destiny and speak God's goodness over them. Do not curse your children. Parents, please hear me. Do not curse your children. 
and don't cuss them either. Speak God's word over them. Always bring encouragement and discipline when that's necessary using God's love and God's methods. Teach them from an early age that there are consequences for bad behavior. As the pastor of a church, you have the responsibility to shamar your congregation, and you do that through prayer and the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You know, you can be a watchman in your neighborhood, and you should be a watchman in your neighborhood as a Christian. Be a watchman at your job. Watchmen are very important to God. You see, he's a watchman over us. This devil wants to devour all of us, but resist him by being steadfast in your faith. Because after we have suffered a while, meaning, it means this, being tested and tried, after we have been tested and tried, we must persevere because he will mature us. Perfect us means mature us. He will establish us. He will strengthen our resolve and our faith. And ultimately, he will settle us. And that means that he will lay a foundation in us that is strong. And it will be strong because it will be erect straight, plumb. And in that place of settling, there's a peace. There's a peace. There's a, a rest for the people of God. So we, we want to be ever vigilant about the gate to our heart. We want to be ever vigilant about the gate to our families because we have this adversary walking about 24-7. But see, when we uh, go through the trials and the tests, and we will, that strengthens our faith. It strengthens our resolve. It helps us. And then we're settled. And that place of settling is such a good place. It, 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 I don't... It's such a good place because there's peace in that settling and there's a rest for us as people of God. Folks, there's never been a time on earth more than now when we need to be watchmen. Listen, listen to Peter's words again. It's a command. It's it's a command that we must obey. He says, be sober. Be vigilant. You and I have an enemy who is walking about roaring like a lion. Not a lion resting in the brush or the bush. No, he's roaring loud and he's looking everywhere he can, to find a way to devour you and me. It's time to get ready to watch. 
I want to say that again. It's time to get ready to watch. Now, maybe you have never heard about being a watchman. Maybe this is totally new to you. But I assure you, if you go back to that scripture in 1 Peter, and you read that, and you meditate on it, you are going to see that you are called to be a watchman. And what I would suggest is that you talk to the Holy Spirit. And you ask the Holy Spirit, what other things do I need to be a watchman over? Obviously, I already told you, you need to be a watchman over the gate of your heart. You got to watch the words you say, the words other people say to you. And then you have to be a watchman over the gate of your family. Then ask Holy Spirit, where else am I supposed to be a watchman? What other things do I need to be sober and vigilant and be on guard about? So I say to you, get ready to watch. Father, I ask that you would open the spiritual eyes and ears of everyone listening tonight, that they would see the desperate need to be watchmen for their families, for their heart. Children today are under attack. Families and marriages are under attack. Lord, help them to come up out of apathy and lukewarmness and awake to the seriousness of our time. Help them establish the gates of their hearts and the gates of their families. May they lean on your everlasting arms. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, this is Don Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this message again. You can download the iHeartRadio app and go to the podcast called Pure Heart Ministries and listen 24-7, 365 to this message as well. And of course, I always, 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 I'm never going to ever forget to ask you to please pray for this ministry. Prayer is so vital. And I hope that there are many of you out there praying for this ministry. And I'm really asking, and I ask every week, and I'm really hoping that you will feel that this message is important enough, this program is important enough to you spiritually, that you would like to sow something into this ministry. You can write a check and send it to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. And, you know, so any amount, and we would be grateful. Well, I look forward to being with you again next week, and I look forward to teaching you about some things that you are not really aware about. So this is Don Noble saying to you today on the Feast of Purim, Shalom, Shalom, peace be unto you.